There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 9th of July 2010. For newcomers, I always suggest you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll find hundreds of audios for download and I cover a broad range of bases to show you how this big new world order is put together and the various organizations uh, that plan it, the think tanks that work for them and how really you have a a symbiosis of incredibly big business, those who already own the wealth of the planet and the resources of the planet, and science, of course, as well, and academia, how they're wrapped right up into it for the big fat salaries to brainwash the children and to be good little uh, and viral consumers, little greenies. A planned society, that's all it really is, and we're going through the process now of being trained uh, by the light stick, in a sense, and eventually the heavy stick will come out over the next few years, very, very shortly, in fact, as you step up their agenda. That's how they train the public, you know, just start them off with cajoling us along and then using the stick. And uh, I might be touching a little bit on that tonight because fees are now creeping in and viral fees all over the place, and they're not telling the public. You just see it when you get a bill. That's one of these public-private deals on a federal level, of course, although they'll only mention your local area to start with to keep you in suspense. So I'm going to cuttingthroughmatrix.com and look at the books and the discs I have for sale. Uh, if you purchase these, that will keep me ticking over. For the meantime, once I'm gone, remember I'm gone. So the same few people over and over uh, across the years have supported me. Thousands use this program. Uh, universities use a lot of this, the topics I cover and put it out there to the public. Um, pretty well... A lot of the, the stuff you'll hear on other shows on Patriot Radio 2 take the leap from me. They never match me, of course, but that's okay. Because, you see, I'm the only one, I think, is getting funded by the odd person out there with a pocket change. That's, that's what I really have come to believe, because very few people send money in at all. So if you want to keep me going at all for any, in a length of time, it's up to you. Purchase that items I have for sale or donate to me. And you can use a personal check from Canada to the States. You can use an international postal money order to the States. I always start with the States because I find the most generous people live in the States. It's an unfortunate thing to say, but it's true. And so they can use an international postal money order or PayPal for donation or to purchase. And believe me, donations certainly are accepted and welcome, very welcome. I just tick over. This is seven days a week. I don't have a massive staff at all. In fact, there's no staff. And uh, I've never choose this to do in a thousand years. I do this because I, I was so fed up with the Patriot stations, with their navel-gazing. I had to show them the bigger picture and how it affected the whole of the world and what the rest of the big agenda was. And this little show here did really change the direction of all Patriot radio completely. So, 
help me to keep going and hopefully I can always add more to it, more things to show you and to show you why it's going in a certain direction, the directions you haven't even thought of yet. So I explain it out as best I can on the time I've um, allocated. Remember, the ads you hear on the show are not paid to me. Most hosts get uh, big cuts from advertising. I do it this way because um, I'm given a free hand to say what I want to say. Uh, the ads are paid directly to RBN by advertisers uh, to pay for the airtime and to pay for their staff and equipment and their bills. So it's up to you, if you like this stuff at all, to keep me going. I can go off and teach small groups because I know, I know, I haven't said where this world is going. I know where it's going. And I know what really has to be done by people who want to come through it. I think that's the music coming in, so I'll be back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Now, I'll say, too, at the beginning of the show, that uh, you can also use PayPal for ordering across the world. Send a separate email along with the PayPal donation, and you can use cash as well, Western Union or MoneyGram. It's all up to you. Now, over the years, I've shown you how the big picture ties together. The big organizations were set up long before your parents and grandparents were born to bring in a new type of society. See, we've all really, what was lived in a controlled society, very controlled. And the beauty of democracy was the, to stop really the people from uprising against their governments every four or five years. Because generally because of taxations and heavy burdens and wars that they bring you into. And then again, more heavy taxation for the wars, then leave you with the debt to pay off. And that really is a great, a great thing really to stop us from revolting every few years against the powers that be. So they gave us the idea of democracy. But they were, they didn't stop there either. If you run the world, remember, even a small part of it or a certain section of it, you don't allow things to happen. You plan the future. You plan uh, always to be in control of the future. And that's all you'll find really in a lot of academia when they go into the big organizations and foundations. They're all to do with planning the future and a specific type of future. And different parts of academia have their special parts to play in all of that. Mind control itself is, is, a, is a, a simple technique. We've always been under forms of mind control from the feudal system even to the present. And the feudal system, the average peasant, uh, really believed that that, that uh, this was the only way of life there could be. They knew no, no other. They had no history taught to them of any other system. And therefore, what was, what is, is, I should say. And they minded their place, as they said. They knew that the feudal overlords could hang them, kill them, or just in a, in a peak of bad, uh, uh, bad uh, anger, uh, kill them uh, out of whatever bad hair day depends. And that was okay too. That was never struck off the books, by the way. I think we're still on it. But anyway, uh, that's really what we were born into a long time ago and brought up with. That's where ancestors came from. And when they opened up the Americas, they did uh, give more freedoms because they wanted America 
to get built up into a prosperous country. There were so many natural resources in America. They also wanted to get rid of what they called their excess populations in an age of mechanization where, where they didn't need so many laboring peasants in factories. And so it was an, a great way for countries to, to get people into them, to these new countries, who would clear the lands, who would do the heavy work. They'd cut down the trees and the lumber would be exported, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the big boys would profit, as always, you see. And for a while in the U.S., they had a limited freedom. And it was a limited freedom because right after they got the, their Declaration of Independence and they, they war, won the war, um, you find that uh, the, the same government turned right round and started a little war, and so an internal war against the whiskey men. You see guys making whiskey, the whiskey wars. And because they weren't wanting to pay taxes, you see, for, for whiskey, they said that was all for the European stuff. Now here they're doing it here. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they basically copied all their style after Britain for taxation purposes. But yet, for a long time, they kept the bureaucracies fairly small. And if you go into economics, they will admit, uh, and basic economics even, that the reason that the U.S. prospered was the lack of government interference and lack of uh, mighty bureaucracies and government agencies overlooking the working people, the, the sources and, and the small businesses. That's why it could take off and prosper. You didn't have people coming out to check what you were doing as you manufactured your products and so on. You didn't have guys with measuring tapes uh, coming to see how much they should measure your buildings and tax you for. Uh, that, that didn't come to much later. And it came much later because... They, caught, they, were caught, they were already into the Anglo-American establishment, deciding on a future for the 20th century. Very wealthy, powerful people within the U.S. were already placed there strategically, in fact, to run the money system. They crashed the U.S. money system three times in the late 1800s by design to plunder a lot of those small businesses, which they then took over for peanuts under bankruptcy laws. And they formed international corporations out of them. If you have 500 engineering shops go under and you buy them over, you just conglomerate them, you see. And now you've got a big corporation. And this has gone right up to the present day because in the 1800s they decided this was the way of the future. That a small elite with the moneyed elite already managing the cash systems, the cash flow for the good part of the world at that time, would merge with a scientific elite, uh, and also with academia. And the peasant is always, always would remain the peasant, and he'd be kept entertained, and he'll work, and he'll pay taxes, and that keeps the government going with its new ideas to fund new projects and so on. It's not difficult to understand history. It's only, it's only difficult if you've been brainwashed to understand the, 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 the real history behind it, the reality, the real reasons behind things. Now, we're treated as children, and I've heard people in other countries talk about the natives of those countries as children. No, you can't speak to them as ordinary. You see, they're really children, and they'd boss them about or even kick them about and stuff like that. And we don't realize that in your own country, that's what's being done to us. We're talked down to like children. We simply don't understand the big pictures and the big problems that governments face, you see. So we get baby talk at the bottom, or we're told um, uh, really a, a, a glossary, uh, superficial 
um, rundown of, of what particular thing it is that's too problematic for us to understand, leaving us more confused than ever. Everything is done by deception. Now remember, Plato's a guy who came up with the idea in the Republic in the perfect world utopia run by a, an elite aristocracy, the guardian class, with all the workers down below them, a separate species, in fact, you might say, specially bred for their tasks by mating them up and managing them like husbandry for animals. Uh, he also said uh, you can't talk down to them and, and have them understand what you really want of them. So therefore, you tell them the noble lie. The noble lie is they'll never go along with it if they really understand what we're after, so you must lie to them, just like children. That's never changed. In fact, it's worse now today, I think, than ever before. People in Plato's time weren't as stupid as he liked to think they were, even the ones who had no education. But we certainly are as stupid as they think they are today, as they give us bread and circuses like never before. And linguistic minimalism is dropping off until people can hardly put a sentence through. The youngsters can't do it, which suits the elite perfectly well, because if you can't explain something in detail, something as complex to do with world governance, what kind of governance, how it's run, and so on, if you can't put it across, then people will just stare at you in confusion. Mind you, if you can't put it across and they are in linguistic minimalism, they'll still stare at you in confusion because they don't understand what you're saying. And they have been trained to believe that the media is telling them everything that they should know. They really do believe that. Now, on Canada Day in Canada, where they celebrate Canada Day, and it's mainly the, the bureaucracies that get out there and celebrated it in, in Ottawa. You'll see thousands of them and their families all waving their flags that the taxpayers pay for. And uh, they're so happy to have these big jobs and uh, well-paying jobs and, and, and bulletproof jobs, really. They can't get laid off en masse like everybody else can. And great pension plans and full drug coverage and so on, index-related pensions. So that's why all the bureaucrats, the thousands of them and their families, go out there in Canada today with their children and say to their children, These, this too sh- shall be yours, my son or my daughter, or whatever it happens to be. That's the reality of the world. We live in a class structure with specialized compartments. In Canada Day, they upped uh, the taxes again. And we have a value-added tax, which they called general sales tax, because uh, they didn't want it to be known under the name value-added tax. And it now joins it with uh, the provincial or state taxes in preparation for jacking up again with the value-added taxes, another 8%. But here's something that the public didn't know, because it wasn't advertised at all. It says, here is, and this is a handout, even the way this, this thing is written is so, so benign. It's a handout with no comment or, or, or critique on it, nothing. And it's uh, new eco fees catching consumers by surprise in Ontario, you see. Levies, which are taxes, ranges from a few cents to several dollars. Uh, and it's, then it says here, uh, this is from the Star, Toronto Star. Checking a receipt as she left a downtown Canadian tire, uh, Chris Colorado knows, you know darn well, it's written up for a PR blurb, a handout. Notice the new, ch- by the company that's running it. Notice the new change. Her $1.99 bottle of dish soap was accompanied by a 13 cent eco fee. 
the levy for thousands of new products from pharmaceuticals to fire extinguishers quietly came into effect July the 1st. Boy, was it quiet. The same day as a harmonized sales tax. Harmony's harmony. <laughs> With 8% jack up in that too. But unlike that tax, provincial agencies have done little to publicize the new fees. No, they haven't, have they? Catching consumers like Colorado by surprise. I never heard of anything about this fee that no one's talking about it, she said. The fact they just pulled it up without us knowing, I don't think it's honest. I don't like it. So she, she's Miss Average. That's what Miss Colorado is, is called this non-fictional person is supposed to say. Stewardship Ontario. Stewart, no, no one's heard of Stewardship Ontario. The agency. See, it's an agency, a private agency in bed with government. Is it? They're making thousands of these things across the board. Overseeing the eco-fees began its $2.5 million public education campaign at the beginning of the month. Well, they did it by starting to tax us. That's how, that's, I guess that's what they call a public education campaign, which consists of posters and radio spots, as well as groups which tour public events and provides information about the program. Back with more after this break. talking about the quiet taxis they're slipping into everything through private agencies, believe it or not. We have private agencies taxing us, obviously. And uh, now we've got eco-fees on top of uh, other things. Remember, we've got carbon fees to come yet and a whole bunch of other things to... You see, the whole New World Order idea is to create a post-consumer society, is to bring you down into poverty. And the, the money you used to use to spend on extras and things or think even things you really needed at the time, will go instead to different fees, eco-fees and carbon fees and God knows what other kind of fees, where the hangers-on, you know, those who are well-connected but can't get into politics or whatever, uh, are put in there by their buddies who are in politics, uh, and they can then give themselves fantastic salaries as they look after you, take care of you, you know, we're as children, we don't know what we're doing, and you'll have no expendable... Um, money left at the end of a month you'll have to all go in fees that's to replace the consumer society that's what it's about so it says here who gets the fee or what gets the fee all aerosol containers from paint to hairspray rechargeable batteries as well as non-lead acid motive batteries corrosives and irritants such as household bleaches drain cleaners and detergents assorted toxic flammable and reactive products Syringes and needles, that'll please the diabetics. Pharmaceuticals for humans and pets, including prescription medicine, over-the-counter drugs, and natural health products. So all those who are already getting screwed silly by the pharma companies because they've all been crippled by the injections they've had years ago are going to pay extra for all their prescription medicine as well. Fluorescent tubes and bulbs, fire extinguishers, uh, well, there's a good reason not to get them. Uh, for a full list of, and details on where to dispose of these items, visit makethedrop.ca. So these guys don't do anything except collect lots of dough from extra fees, which are really taxes on the public to a private corporation made up of a bunch of hangers-on that's, that uh, saw opportunity. Isn't that what they always say today? These, these characters come up for academia. Oh, look at this disaster. Oh, we can look at the opportunity involved. And that's how they go for it, you know. Yep. New consumer fees. So 
called eco fees. What a great con. Uh, you know, a tax is a tax. I don't care what they want to dress it up as. So it's a bunch of nobodies can live like royalty on the incredible salaries they give themselves with no oversight, of course. That's the world we're living in. That's the real world that we're living in. It's amazing. And it's going to be the same everywhere else, too. And I guarantee you this Ontario group will be part of the, a Canadian federal group. And uh, it's to go everywhere else in the world shortly. And as I say, that will replace all these fees and taxes will replace uh, all your all your the money that you would use to spend for other things as you're trained not to be consumers. That's what it's about. Now, Bernays talked about propaganda and how it's put it over. In, in this silly, r- ridiculous article here with probably a fictitious person who's supposed to have bought her hairspray, um, is the, the way that they put things over to the children. That's us at the bottom. Not too startling. No one criticizes what's happening. It's just a, an eco-fee. It sounds clean, doesn't it? Eco-fee. Sounds nice and kind of clean. We're already paying eco-fees and other, other kind of fees and disposable fees, even on rubber tires for cars, and have been for 10 or 15 years in Canada. It's all five bucks extra per tire when you buy them. And now they charge you another bunch when you when you want to put them away. So where did the first one go? It wasn't in pockets. That's where it goes uh, for all, as I say, all the hangers-on and all the offspring that the, the the politicians have that can't get jobs in politics or civil service. Propaganda. That's what Bernays said in his book Propaganda. He says. These examples are, are not given to create the impression that there is anything sinister about propaganda. They're set down rather to illustrate how conscious direction is given to events. You see, conscious direction. And that's what all these little articles I read are about, this conscious direction. That's why they put it out in the mainstream media. Mainstream media is a big part of this. It's one of the essential arms of government. They give us what we think is reality. So it's conscious direction. We're directed really almost subliminally uh, without realizing it until we start parroting the same terms they give us to parrot. It says, um, and how the men behind these events influence public opinion. As such, they're examples of modern propaganda. At this point, we may attempt to define propaganda. Modern propaganda is a consistent, enduring effort to create or shape events to influence the relations of the public, of the public to an enterprise, an idea, or a group, and so you see lots of these blurbs by this Ontario eco bunch uh, to to make sure that we don't mind giving them money because we won't consciously think through it. And by the way, they actually put it in the article here as part of governance. If you want to governances, it's a lot of uh, non-governmental bodies taxing you for different things and telling you what to do. That's what governance is. So, the practice of uh, creating circumstances uh, and of creating pictures in the minds of millions of persons is very common. Victory, no important, important undertaking is now carried on without it, whether the enterprise be building a cathedral, endowing a university, marketing a, a moving picture, floating a large bond issue, or electing a president or taking eco-fees off you, I'll add on to that as well. Or, as I say, adding to this uh, value-added tax at the same time. Back with more after these messages. 
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're coming through the matrix. I got cut off again there. So, um, talking about propaganda and how it works, and how everything is propaganda. Everything is propaganda. And Bernays, again, a master at this, who let a little bit out of what he knew, but he knew much more than he ever published to the public, because the, the art of managing millions of people's minds isn't just shared to, to just anybody. And they've got to keep most of their tricks really up their sleeves. But to repeat this last part, he says, Modern propaganda is a consistent, enduring effort to create or shape events to influence the relations of the public to an enterprise, an idea, or group. That's what all your eco-stuff's about there. You're being influenced towards greening or wars or whatever, you see, or groups for politics. This practice of creating... This practice of creating circumstances and of creating pictures in the minds of millions of persons is very common. Virtually no important undertaking, listen, no important undertaking is now carried on without it. Where the enterprise be building a cathedral, endowing a university, marketing a moving picture, floating a large bond issue or electing a president. Sometimes the effect on the public is created by a professional propagandist, sometimes by an amateur deputed for the job. The important thing is that it is universal and continuous, and in its sum total it is regimenting the public mind. Regimenting the public mind. Every bit as much as an army regiments the bodies of its soldiers. So that's the whole intention of propaganda campaigns. Under whatever guise they want to call it, it's a propaganda campaign. And you're being trained into going along with it. Because why? Everyone else will go along with it at the same time. You see? Now, what they wanted too was a scientifically organized society and technocracy. Wells was on about it. Russell was on about it. I've gone through uh, the Unibomber and that, that video of the net and the reason it, all that was going on and why he targeted certain people. He said that technocracy really had horrific plans for humankind, population reduction, all that kind of stuff. And he even went through what they would, uh, what they planned. And he went to Harvard as a professor at Harvard. He knew some of these guys who'd been authorized by the military. They're all ex-military guys above him authorized to bring in a new culture to prepare the way for this new system. They gave you the rock music, they gave you the drug culture, and they pushed free sex to destroy marriage. They had to get marriage out of the way. That was a must. And they talk about that in a lot of their different books. All the different parts of academia go into that. Well, Bertrand Russell in the Scientific Outlook said this. He says, the man who dreams of a scientifically organized world and wishes to translate his dreams into practice, finds himself faced with many obstacles. There is the opposition of inertia and habits. See, people don't like change. We, we, we are quite content without change. Uh, look at the people they call primitives, the ones 
they call arrested developments, who are really um, survivalists. They don't need the world. They don't need what man makes in commerce. They make everything themselves. They, they will get up and fight you if you try and take over the land and change them. They're natural. They're wild men. We're supposed to be wild for survival's sake. When we don't do that, we've been domesticated and conquered. Anyway, this book here says, There is the opposition of inertia and habit. People wish to continue behaving as they always have behaved and living as they always have lived. This is the opposition of vested interest. It says, In an economic system inherited from feudal times, it gives advantages to men who have done nothing to deserve them, and these men, being rich and powerful, are able to place formidable obstacles in the way of fundamental change. In addition to these forces, there are also hostile idealisms. Christian ethics is in certain fundamental respects opposed to the scientific ethic, which is gradually growing up. Christianity emphasizes the importance of the individual's soul and is not prepared to sanction the sacrifice of an innocent man for the sake of some ulterior good to the majority. Christianity, in a word, is unpolitical, as is natural since it grew up amongst men devoid of political power. The new ethic, which is gradually growing in connection with scientific technique, will have its eye upon society rather upon the individual. It will have little use for the superstition of guilt and punishment, but will be prepared to make individuals suffer for the public good. Individuals will suffer for the public good. And who decides what the public good is, eh? Without inventing reasons purporting to show that they deserve to suffer. They'll just pick on you. And that's what we see all the time in the media, people getting picked on, tasered, burned faces, that kind of stuff. In this sense, it will be ruthless. A scientific dictatorship will be ruthless. And according to tradition, ideas are moral, but the change will have come about naturally through the habits of viewing society as a whole rather than as a collection of individuals. So the whole idea is we're all in it together. We're not individuals anymore. We're all this or we're all that. But regardless, we're all, and that's the key to it, the eradication of the individual. We view a human body as a whole, and if, for example, it is necessary to amputate a limb, we do not consider it necessary to prove first that the limb is wicked. We consider the good of the whole body a quite sufficient argument. Well, that was what the Soviets did. When they got into power, the Bolsheviks, they slaughtered whole sections of society. Didn't give a reason for it. They knew what they were doing it for, but they didn't have to even bother giving a reason for it. And that's what he means. The scientific dictatorship won't bother telling you why they're doing nasty things to you. It's just similar to the man who thinks of society as a whole will sacrifice a member of society for the good of the whole without much consideration for that individual's welfare. This has always been the practice in war because war is a collective enterprise. Soldiers are exposed to the risk of death for the public good, although no one suggests that they deserve death. But men have not hitherto attached the same importance to social purposes other than war and have therefore shrunk from inflicting sacrifices which were felt to be unjust. I think it is probable that the scientific idealists of the future will be free from this scruple. They won't have moral scruples, you see. Not only in time of war, but in time of peace also, like injecting the general public without telling them to give them cancers and to shorten their life and to to sterilize them. See, they're already doing it back then. 
and overcoming the difficulties of the opposition that they will encounter, they will find themselves organized into an oligarchy of opinions such as formed by the Communist Party in the USSR. So they admit they were going to use that kind of system, you see, which is here, actually. But the reader will say, how, will, how is it that all this will come about? Is it not merely a fantasy of wish fulfillment, utterly remote from political purpose? I do not think so. The future which I foresee is to begin with only very partially in agreement with my own wishes. I find pleasure in splendid individuals rather than powerful organizations, and I feel that the place for splendid individuals will be much more restricted in the future than in the past. He's talking about uh, an intellectual elite only for those special individuals that he's talking about, himself obviously being one of them. And remember, he, you know, he's the guy who works along with the group that formed what Wired magazine, the Macy Group. Uh, he worked with... Um, the authorized Frankfurt School, to bring in a new system for a new culture for society, obedience and so on, all in it together. He also helped work out the the language of mathematics for computer systems, the perfect language he called it. Now, and the impact of the uh, science on society says this, the good of a multitude is a sum of the goods of the individuals composing it, not a new and separate good, in concrete fact, when it is pretended that the state has a good different from that of the citizen, what is really meant is that the good of the government or of the ruling class is more important than that of other people. Such a view can have no basis except an arbitrary power. More important than these metaphysical speculations is a question whether a scientific dictatorship such as we have been considering can be stable, or is it more likely to be stable than a democracy? Apart from the danger of war, I see no no reason why such a regime should be unstable. After all, most civilized and semi-civilized countries uh, known to history have had a large class of slaves or serfs completely subordinate to their owners. There is nothing in human nature that makes the persistence of such a system impossible. This is a new feudal system. Remember what Plato said too. Plato said that whatever has been done to the public in the past or to peoples in the past, if you know the formula, you can reintroduce it, and it'll work just the same again. So he says, and the whole development of scientific technique has made it easier than it is used, used to be to maintain a despotic rule of a minority. When the government controls the distribution of food, its power is absolute. That's very important, and that's why they're going for it. And the Pratt will got it all summed up there. Um, the government with its five agribusinesses are running the world's food supply. So their power is absolute so long as it can count on the police and the armed forces. Well, he knew too, you always make sure that you give the police and the armed forces certain perks and privileges that only the elite themselves get. And they will work for you. Remember too, you can always hire half the poor to kill the other half. They also know that too. So he says here, and their loyalty can count on the police and the armed forces, and their loyalties can be secured by giving them some of the privileges of the governing class. So he admits that. I do not see how any internal movements of revolt can ever bring freedom to the oppressed in a modern scientific dictatorship. He goes on to say in the next page, For these reasons, I do not believe that the dictatorship is a lasting form of scientific society unless this provides this 
proviso is important. It can become worldwide. Their goal was always to have a worldwide scientific society. And once it's in power with incredible sciences, weaponry, the techniques of mind control over the general populace, the techniques of um, mass manipulation, uh, they saw they foresaw no reason why they should not, once in power with a new governing system, they would ever lose it or should lose it. Why do you think they've got this total information network today? What do you think all that was part of? It was nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. It's to make sure that the society is predictable. Every one of us must be completely predictable. And that's why your daily data that you spread all over the internet and through emails and so on, and that you chat on phones to your friends, has all been monitored, collected, sorted automatically by supercomputers to keep updated your personal profile, to make sure that you haven't gone a bit odd, a bit strange, and outside your patterns of thinking and behavior, or change your social milieu into an unauthorized sector. That's what it's all about. The world of totalitarianism is here. We're, we're living, we've been living through it growing up our whole lives. We've, I've read so many articles here over the years to do with their super weaponry and uh, stuff beyond their sound cannons to microwave energy, all for use at home and at the right time, right down to the army itself's own think tank, a specialized think tank which foresees the future, predicts by trends how things are going to go, talking about 30 years of rioting across the world. And we've watched them put their drones up. Now they're putting drones up all over the skies in Canada and the States. I've even got photographs of them here. And we, 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 can't, we can't think that this is all to do with what Russell's talking about here. These drones will be used in the U.S. and Canada. There is no doubt about it. I've read the articles, too, with the much smaller drones that they have. Billions are putting into them, things pretty small the size of birds, but they can target you as an individual and kill you, whoever you happen to be. That's why they're saying that the scientific dictatorship cannot possibly fail. The problem, as the communists were well aware of any revolution, is it takes years and years and years to plan and work and organize to get people ready so that, that instead of having a, a, an aimless rabble at the end of something when the big boys let you have it, what I mean by that is they bring the hammer down on you, you know, all know what you've got to do. And organization is utterly important, and that's all the only things they're afraid of at the top. As massive organization, especially if organization can get public sympathy and public support and start to get sway with the public that overrides their general daily incredible propaganda. Because if something did arise like that, they'd, they'd be targeted right away. They'll be called every dirty name and slogan in the book because they could not allow them to gather members. And they won't tolerate it. And it's interesting what Russell said too, 
that they want to explain to the other members of society, that's you lot and us lot and we lot, why they're doing something, why they're being ruthless to a specific crew, an area or people or whatever. They'll just do it. See, they're beyond the stage of giving us excuses anymore. That's part of the training. And you get trained not to expect excuses along the way. That's what it's about. You know, I I could go through a hundred different articles put up by the media every day. And it's more distracting to your mind than helping to form concrete ideas about things. You've got everything from incredible trivia for different classes of people, and yep, there are classes of people. And you have little bits of truth put into other things like the oil disaster in the Gulf, little bits of it here and there, hundreds of articles on it, of course. This is all to keep you distracted as well, because you'll never get the real truth about anything. And all this distraction stops you from keeping your mind on track with where the world is going, bypassing what's churned out by the media, is churned out by the media, the authorized media, to find out what really is going on in the world by going way off the mainstream topics for the day, to find out what's really happening. And we're going into this planned scientific new world order. And they are certainly winning. They've won up until now. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix, just bypassing the same mainstream topics for today and going back into what's really going on because... We're distracted by a thousand things to keep us off what's really going on and putting things together. And so I say these guys have ran the last hundred years and they're afraid of organization. They're afraid of people who know their purpose, who are not taken off by distractions and who can prepare for the awful times coming. And people are preparing for the bad times coming. That is something that's good to hear because the majority of the public will never ever understand what's really happening. But it's never been the majority of the public that's changed anything at all for their own good either. It's always been a small minority who have educated themselves, who've guided them from going into a further disaster. And hopefully that's what we're all about here. And people should be um, planning to get through tough times right now. Tough times. As I say, massive taxation is coming down. Massive, massive taxation is all scheduled to replace the consumer society by fees and taxes. And you've got to be prepared for that, to be as independent as possible, as they will allow you to be, because they are into everything now. And the time will come when you'll need permits and licenses to even have a garden. In some countries, you've already got that. They don't want you being independent. But don't stop doing it. Don't ever stop doing it. What does Russell conclude with his um, impact of science and society? He says, my conclusion is that a scientific society can be stable given certain conditions. The first of these is a single government of the whole world. That's why it was already underway in his day. Possessing a monopoly of armed force and therefore able to enforce peace. Now, peace is the absence of all opposition to their plan. 
The second condition is a general diffusion of prosperity so that there is no occasion or envy of one part of the world by another. Now, that's what the distribution of wealth is all about right now. And that goes all the way back to Karl Marx in the 1800s, distribution of wealth. It's not to bring folk really up to a high standard. It's to make sure we all come down to the same equal standard of subsistence living. It says the third condition which supposes the second fulfilled is a low birth rate everywhere so that the population of the world becomes stationary or nearly so. The fourth condition is a provision for individual initiative both in work and play and the greatest diffusion of power compatible with maintaining the necessary political and economic framework. So, what we're going through today, and really, if you go into the United Nations and all of their thousands and thousands of reports from health to everything, go into the Royal Institute for International Affairs, of which Russell was a member, uh, go into uh, Chatham House to see their think tanks, what they're working on right now, and, and even think tanks and way to, to get you to accept things you haven't even heard of right now. They haven't put out yet. Because they know that by, again, it's the, it's the technique that you use to put things across. Most folk will believe whatever they are told and comply. And really, in the U.S., in the United States of America, if anything is to happen at all, it will start there. Because people still have a memory, if nothing else, even though the society's been totally debased by the culture creators, they still have a memory of what freedom is supposed to be. Supposed to be. Once we forget that, we won't even have anything to refer to. So for those in the U.S., keep up the good work, keep doing what you're doing. And let it be an example for the rest of the world, too. There's not a lot you can do in Canada, I'm afraid. They're pretty content with being happy slaves. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. So make me your God or your gods go with you.